morning, Bucks fans. Welcome into Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Casey Phillips here with senior writer and editor Scott Smith. This is where we answer all of your questions. So if you're not already watching on there, head over to Facebook. You can leave them in the comment section of the live video. That's how I will be finding all of the questions to ask. As we give people a chance to start asking some of those, figured we'd start with the news about the Hall of Fame that came out yesterday. Yeah, this is a time of year when they pare the field down from the original nominations. I think there were 130 of them to 25 semifinalists. Uh, it didn't come as a, a shock, really, but both John Lynch and Rodney Barber made that cut. It's the ninth straight year that John Lynch is a semifinalist. He's also been a finalist for seven straight years. And then Rodney Barber has been a semifinalist for four years now. Uh, I'm hoping this is the year he breaks through to the finalist stage, which is uh, 15 players. And that'll happen somewhere around mid-January. Uh, you know, we know how close John Lynch has come over and over and again. We always hope that this is going to be the year. Um, Rondé, I think, is well-deserving of being a finalist. And I'm a little surprised it hasn't happened yet. So hopefully it's this year. Yeah, and I know we usually talk about it in terms of who the other people are on the ballot. And especially if they're people at the same position, because we know they don't tend to like to put in a lot of people in the same position each year and so there have been times that we've looked at John Lynch and then there's been other really great safeties that same year looking at the field overall and, and the people that are first time ballot people how how likely or not are there certain people we think of as threats to their cause how comfortable do we feel well there's always two or three guys almost every year there's two or three guys that you think are first ballot guys and you just have to account for that um, and obviously Peyton Manning is on the ballot uh, it'd be ridiculous for him not to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, Charles Woodson strikes me as the same. Jared Allen may not strike some people as a first ballot Hall of Famer, but his stats are essentially the same as Jason Taylor's. And I think Jason Taylor made it in his first year. So there's always that obstacle. But the first step is making that cut to 15. And the fact that there's a couple locks probably for the class of 2021 doesn't really make it that much harder for John or, or Rondi to make it at least to that next cut. And then we can start talking about their chances to actually be in the, in the Hall of Fame. Okay. And just a reminder to the people tuning in now, we are taking your questions over on Facebook in the live video comments section. That's where I'll find all of your different questions. Um, wanted to hear your thoughts on second game in a row without Ali Marpet in at offensive line. They had to move some things around and then even Donovan went down for a little bit and AQ Shipley went down. There was, there was several different combinations used in that game and you know we knew that that Rams defensive line was is, was a potent one so I wanted to hear um, how you felt like they handled that challenge what we know about that offensive line and and the the impact that Ali Marpet has and how they've been able to sort of try to pick up that slack yeah we're all very eager for Ali to feel better um, a first of all and then once we feel good about that we'll be eager to get him back in the lineup but you can't say enough about how well uh, Ryan Jensen and AQ Shipley have responded to this challenge of Ryan moving to left guard to replace Allie and AQ Shipley stepping in there at center. I, I think the biggest thing you can say about those two and the rest of that line is um, look at the, the defensive stat sheet from that game and try to find Aaron Donald's name. It's not on there. Can you imagine before that game thinking Aaron Donald wouldn't record a single tackle, sack, quarterback hit, anything? Yeah. Um, he's the I most dominant. The third game in his whole career that he's done that. That's incredible. I mean, he's the most dominant defensive lineman in the game, and this doesn't change that, but in this particular game, the Buccaneers handled him very well, and I think uh, uh, Tom Brady was sacked once and hit five times. I'll take that out of a game against the Rams. It really wasn't the protection. 
that wasn't the issue when it comes to how the Bucks came up a little bit short. And we had a few different questions about the run game and why it wasn't more successful, um, especially after such a huge performance against the Panthers uh, the week before and, and the fact that how they were using Rojo versus Fournette, um, you know, third down catches, just kind of overall the way that the running backs were used, why the running game didn't work as well, um, and then especially getting them involved in the, in the passing game and some of the, the struggles there. Well, the first thing you have to look at is, the Carolina defense versus the Rams defense. I mean, Carolina's defense was much more susceptible to the run. The Rams have one of the best run defenses in the league. And it was pretty clear early on, and this is actually true on both sides, it was pretty clear early on that the running game wasn't working. And you can say, I want to establish the run that makes our play action better, et cetera, et cetera. But if it's not working, at some point you stop bashing your head against the wall and you, you turn to th things that you know you think you can be more successful with. And that's why the Buccaneers ran many, many more plays, a much higher percentage of plays in three and four receiver sets in this game, as opposed to the Carolina game, where it was pretty much an even split between that kind of offense and two tight end offense, because that's what was working against Carolina. And they thought that would work against Carolina. Um, nothing really was working in the running game, whether it was Jones or Fournette. As for the passing game, obviously there were well-publicized struggles with uh, passes that were incomplete to both of those guys. And, and Bruce Arians spoke about that yesterday and said, you know, he kind of broke down each one. Some of them weren't weren't perfect throws some of them uh the play broke down a little bit like the screen pass to ronald jones just the throw came much sooner than it's designed to because there was a, a free runner left on the other side of the formation and and brady had to get rid of the ball more quickly so there's many reasons why those plays can break down and sometimes they are just straight up drops but in this case it was a bit of a mix so i you know i know that um that Bruce Arians still remains very uh, comfortable with Leonard Fournette in particular in the passing game. And he's, for the most part, caught the ball very well this year. And we had a question about, um, it seems like we haven't heard Antoine Winfield Jr.'s name as much. Does that mean he isn't playing as well or just hasn't made the kind of plays to get his name said as much? Yeah, that's, it's actually true. I've, I've noticed that in the stat sheet uh, because it's been fun updating his game-by-game -game stats this year because almost every game for a stretch there, he had some kind of big play. Uh, and the last few games, his stats have been pretty minimal. But I think that's what happens just sometimes with the safety. I mean, you know, sometimes the plays are coming your way, the ball's coming your way. Sometimes it's not. But I don't think there's been any lacking in his play. Just hasn't been the opportunities for him to, to rack up a bunch of tackles or or I guess also the opportunities to, to rush the quarterback. I'm not sure that we've sent him on blitzes that much in the last couple of games. So, you know, stats aren't the whole story, as most fans know. And Winfield hasn't had two bad games. He's just had two games with very little stats. And I saw a question about how, um, I think the phrase was how we've been dinked and dunked on a lot this year, that these short little passes, we saw that a lot from the Rams. I think Bruce said in his post-game press conference that they didn't even attempt to pass more than 10 yards all first half. Um, what are some of the anecdotes to that on defense, you know, now that we saw that that was pretty helpful, you know, the, the way the Rams did it for them, that it, it proved to be problematic for the, for the defense. Uh, what are some of the strategies there and just maybe the strengths and weaknesses you've seen with this defense of the type of offense that they're really good against. Yeah, I mean, in today's NFL, if a, if a opposing team wants to get rid of the ball quickly and throw a lot of short passes, they can generally succeed in at least completing those passes. The problem for the Buccaneers was two things, really. Um, the tackling wasn't very good in the secondary. So there were plays that should have been stops. There were drives that should have been stops that that weren't because short passes turned into longer gains than they normally would. And then also the Rams did a good job and this is what they do when their offense is going well. They did a good job of disguising plays 
and having misdirection in their, their shifts and their motions and just getting, especially those two guys, Woods and Cup, really wide open. And, you know, it's a tough thing to defend. The Buccaneers knew that going into the week. There was a lot of talk about eye discipline, which means basically reading your keys and, and figuring out what the uh, opponent is going to do to you. And sometimes even with that, the other team wins and the Rams have an offense that can do that on occasion. And it, it hurt the Buccaneers. They didn't handle it very well. And, and that or at least for a good portion of the game. And that's an issue going into the next game because the chiefs can do a lot of different things to you. I mean, that offense is the highest scoring in the league and they have Patrick Mahomes and, and all those incredible weapons, but they also do shifts and motions quite a bit and, and can disguise things. So it's another week that the Buccaneers will have to prepare for that. And it's a very tough challenge. Jim asked, what do you think about the overall utilization of our tight ends so far and then the red zone in particular? Overall, I, I mean, I think it's been pretty good. You've seen Cam Brake getting involved um, the last couple weeks. Uh, I like that. He's, he had a couple big third down catches. I think we had a little bit more trouble getting the ball to Rob Gronkowski in this last game, but we're trying. Um, you know, I think the tight end position has never been one that's been terribly prolific in Bruce Arians' offense. Uh, but the two tight end set worked very well against Carolina. And I, I think we're getting the ball to those guys a decent amount of times. In the red zone, uh, you know, uh, uh, Gronkowski had a touchdown pass in the red zone last week. Uh, Cam Brate also, I believe, was that that game or was that two games ago? He had the catch right along the goal line. So we've got so many red zone weapons that you can't expect those guys to get touchdowns every week. But I think they're utilizing them enough in the red zone. And then uh, we'll close with this. Uh, somebody asked about Scotty Miller and the fact that he hasn't been used as much since Antonio Brown was brought on and just the overall way each of the, the wide receivers is being used. And, and do we think we maybe need a little more Scotty Miller to try to have some of those deep balls when he seems to be the one that Brady had the best connection with for those? Yeah, yeah, and they did try. I mean, they threw one to him that might have been completed, but it did draw like a 30-yard pass interference penalty. Scotty was on the field more in this past game uh, in some three and four receiver sets than he had been the week, the couple weeks before, but I think it's probably pretty undeniable that the arrival of Tony uh, Antonio Brown has eaten into his snaps a little bit. Uh, the the deep passing game and its struggles have a lot more to do than just with how Scotty Miller has been used in recent weeks. It's been a good three or four games now that the Buccaneers simply haven't been able to hit any deep balls, and that was something that had been a strength for the first I don't know six or seven weeks. We hit a lot of them. I remember the the uh, incredible back corner pass from Brady to Scotty Miller in the back of the end zone in uh, Las Vegas. I mean, at that point, we were talking about how he was just so accurate still on deep balls. And it was, it was one of the big storylines of the early season. And, and it's been a struggle for the last three or four games. So uh, I don't know if it involves getting Scotty Miller more involved, but somehow or another, the Buccaneers have to reconnect on those deep passes because that's a big part of Bruce Arians' approach to offense. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for those great questions. We'll see you next week and have a great Thanksgiving.